and welcome to episode four of the Weeb Crew. I'm your host. Wait, hey, what? No, this is episode five. What do you mean? We did, we had episode four before. We we already recorded episode four. This is episode five. No, Mumi, you didn't number the. Uh, we did two episodes for the three by three, but you didn't number the second one. So this is four technically. No, we didn't. The one after that. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, you were kind of busy, so I got Shabes and Hayden, and we just talked about video games. What are you talking? Video? This is an anime podcast. Who the fuck Shabes? You know, Caribou Coon. What? Does you know, Anitube Digest? I don't. Digesting what? No, Anitube Digest. Like, you know, like Reader's Digest? The, the thing old people read? Yeah, no. That, but he does it for like anime, like anime videos. Why would anyone do that? So wait, this was a video game episode? Yeah. And you but but they do a a a, a magazine for elderly people on anime videos. No, wait, what? Hey everyone, welcome to the Awful Appetite Podcast. I'm your host, Mumi VA, and I'm joined here as always with my co-host, Ghost Cuck. How's it going, fellow anime fans? And Gilly the Animal. I'm Japanese. Yeah, so my fellow hip anime fans, I don't know about y'all, but I don't watch much anime these days. I read a poorly written vague synopsis, and I feel like I know what's going to happen in the first few episodes. Yeah. Wait. Sometimes I go to the store and I'll just look at like the light novel titles and I will literally judge the books by their cover. I literally just hate all of anime. <laughs> like I do a segment on my channel talking about upcoming anime, not because, you know, I want to give these anime any kind of chance, but because I need to put every other anime down except the ones I'm contractually all anime that are actually good. It's why like Isekai, which is like one of like the worst things ever conceptualized since like the fall of the Third Reich. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The show I'm by no means ob obligated to expressly... What does that mean? Stop reading the script. Which is why, you know, Isekai, you know, the worst thing conceptualized in general since the fall of the Third Reich. Sure. So oh, really true. the fall of the Constantinople in the 1400s. Yeah, I completely agree. It's awful, except for, you know, Mushoku Tensei, which is great. Very cool. Very cool. You know, I too started watching Mushoku Tensei on my premium country account. Only $8.33 a month when you buy a 12-month subscription. Seriously, only $8.33? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, our I mean, our friends said this is the one that started it all. And you have to watch it. I mean, have to watch it. You can see everything that we just complained about in it, but I suddenly love it now. Because, uh, you know, like, reasons? Very cool. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I don't really, like, watch anime anymore especially like the ones that i complain about sure yeah allegedly you know other people like write the scripts for my videos and do all the editing and i just you know do the vo work and appear on camera for a little bit and then i i collect most of the money but i remember watching the first episode of mishoku tensei published by katakawa and now streaming on crunchyworld.com a subscription available for eight dollars 33 cents a month it's a pretty good show, you know, like uh, like how it handles an insert marketing point here. You're not supposed to read that part. You're supposed they to. They do something completely different and show you the origin story of how this is an isekai, you know. You literally see him get hit by a truck and then reborn into another world. Literally never been done before unless it's Yu Yu Hakusho. It's very cool. Very, very cool. cool. Well, I mean, sometimes you watch something and you can tell the people responsible at Katakawa's affiliates really put effort into what they're producing. Like, a lot of anime don't put, you know, the effort into create new languages. But Katakawa's Mushoku Tensei, now streaming on Crunchyroll.com for only $8.33. What a deal. Invented two whole separate fantasy made-up languages. I've literally never seen that in an anime before, published by Katakawa's competitors. It's very cool. Very I wish cool. I can go fuck themselves. Wait, what? 
Hello and welcome to Trash Taste Podcast. Oh god. Uh, it just never ends. Uh, today we're joined by uh, Gil Lies Here of uh, Gil Lies Here. Yep. Who makes uh, mostly AMVs, but the occasional analysis video as well. And You want to you wanna tell us a little bit about yourself, Gil? Sure. Sigh from Psyotic. <laughs> Ghost from the Grave. Um... Yeah, I mostly produce uh, AMVs. I have like 30 of them, but I do have a few video essays, and I'm currently editing one. Like right now? Wow. Can't believe you're doing that on a podcast we're recording. How rude. Yeah, you know, Sigma grinds it. <laughs> I guess it doesn't stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I, I too often edit videos while we're talking. I mean, just it's like cruise control. Cruise control. I actually pay attention. I, I guess if... I guess if no one could tell by now, by the title or that awful skit. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about Isekai. I never would have guessed. I can't believe it. Uh, but I guess uh, to get a little bit more into, like, you know, who you are and your social security number and all that stuff, uh, what got you into anime, Gil? Well, my full name is... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I got into anime through... Uh, I mean, besides, uh, like, you know, obviously runs on TV, like, uh, you know, obviously like the dubbed, like dubbed ones, like Pokemon, Digimon, uh, and then Bleach yeah. on Adult Swim. Um, oh, you're okay. a Bleach fan. I am a Bleach fan. Uh, I think around 20, by when I was like 13, 14, uh, my brother got recommended a, a show and he started watching it. That show was Full Malchemist 03. And we okay. shared a room at the time, uh, so I inevitably watched it, but at the same time, because I was kind of forced to, because <laughs> we were both going to sleep. Um, yeah, got into anime when I was like 13, 14, uh, started watching shit, okay. mostly on Netflix, and then branched off from there. And then, and then you figured out how to torrent stuff? Yeah, more or less. Well, I actually first found like uh, just streaming sites. Yeah, yeah. Like... Before, like, not Kiss Anime first. It was, like, shit like Go Cartoon. Oh. Oh. <laughs> the really, the really scuffed. Yeah, I think I remember, I remember getting started on one that sounded very similar to that, so. Oh, it was awful. And I remember always reading the, the chat that's just filled with, like, the worst people in the world. Oh, God. Like, oh, yeah, they did have, like, those awful live chats. Yeah, who would go to a chat in a fucking, like, illegal anime streaming site? And it would constantly, like, ding you, like, ding, 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 yes. ding. Every time there was a new message, and it was like, yes. stop it, please. Maybe is we did like use the same site. It's like the fucking manga pirate sites where they all try to, like, thank the manga author on the legal pirate site. <laughs> <laughs> As if he's gonna sit there and read the comments. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love the, yeah, I love all the comment oh. sections on those. Like, I, when I read through uh, Yasumi Poon Poon, there was a guy with a hollow uh, from Spice and Wolf picture. And he just kept saying, uh, I can't remember. It's like, it, I, it might as well have been like nice feet or every, like every chapter or something. What? He commented what? something every chapter and then and he, he eventually vanished at like chapter 70. And people were like, where do you go? Oh. <laughs> people were like concerned, like we need this. They're more invested in the storyline of this guy and his fetish for feet than fun <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, was, it was like a genuine like concern. And then he did come back a few chapters later. <laughs> I'm not, it's like, yeah, it's like a, like a YouTube video, like, I'm not dead. 
But we have you here today, you know, against your will to talk about Isekai. So, I guess, why do you like Isekai? What's wrong with you? Yes, Master, I mean, uh, uh... uh. (laughs) Slave. Slave, yeah. Speaking of slaves, no, um... (laughs) Oh, God! And there we go. Uh, I mostly like Isekai because, um... How I view, or how I mostly, like, find interest in, like, anime and uh, broader media is, like, sort of, you know, what appeals to me and what interests um, interest to me, which usually is a sort of, sub, like, a subcultural context to the work itself. Mm-hmm. Isekai is an incredibly uh, pronounced genre in that it has, it wears its influences on its sleeves, um, especially in terms of, like, the reaction to like Japanese neoliberalism and things like that. Hmm. Uh, so it's uh, to me, it's like kind of like an inherently interesting genre, even if the the specific work doesn't do that much by itself. It it just kind of exists in like an interesting space, yeah. creatively. Yeah. And uh, as well as I think uh, I think isekai as a uh, genre itself, or as a um, a descriptor for like how stories function. I think is really good for uh, in terms of like world building mm. because when you have a story, like if you have a fantasy story, which I do like just like fantasy in general. Um, when you have a fantasy story, you have to build the world from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not necessarily a completely in, di- in you know, not different to, it's not completely different to Isekai, but Isekai start with uh, our world. Yeah. And our modernity and, you know, all these things like they starts with it starts with Japan. Usually uh, I say usually because there's a couple of them that aren't Japanese people being reincarnated. Yeah. And so they start in like Japan and then they go to the other world and you obviously have to build a world up as well. But you have that like the fish out of the water scenario um, to essentially thrust you into the new world. And when you're exposition dumped and you're sort of developing the world through uh, character di- characters' dialogues or um, broader, you know, co- context clues. Right? It feels less ham-fisted because there is also someone always learning about it too. Right. It's kind of like the uh, like almost like a fish out of water thing. Yeah. So I guess like as you know, the resident layman here uh, gonna ask all the stupid questions. I guess we should probably define what isekai is for some people. Like, uh, you know, are Digimon and, like, now and then here and there, like, are they isekai? Uh, I would say that both of those, no. Um, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I would say both of those just flat out no. Um, so isekai, uh, isekai is about, is are narratives about people going to another world. Um, but there are sort of worlds and conditions of, like, what that other world means. Um, mostly because mm. of the fact that you have the native world. It's always it's always two worlds set up. Uh, although it can't be other worlds um, other than that. It can be like course. a multiverse at times. Yeah, it, that's like fine. But the setup always has to be two worlds. Um, one where the character yeah. is natively from and then the one where they're going to. Uh, and then the, the transport is re- really defines like the specific genre, the su- specific uh, subgenre slash tag of it. Uh, like Tensei, I- a.k.a. Reincarnation. Or Shokan, which is like summoning, and then or like Tenny, which is like a they sort of just move between they move into the other world without a sort of special mm-hmm. 
like usually through a gate of some sort. Gate, the, the, the JSDF anime is a uh, tenny. Yeah. So the the transport is what defines like sort of like the subgenre, but isekai itself is about the trans uh, is transporting someone from one world to another, and that's the main central plot of the story or the main at least the uh, premise, right? Right. Um, the reason why something like now and then here and there or Digimon aren't isekai is in fact, two things. So one, you have like the literal definition. Isekai tend to be um, one stories where uh, the characters don't return. Usually not because they're trapped, but rather just learn to live their life differently. Yeah. And it's usually because of a motivation around the fact that life in Japan usually sucks for the protagonist. Either because they're an overworked salary man or a alienated, uh, you know, neat or hikikomori. So that's that typically is the way that it functions too. So something like Digimon, where they literally return back to the world. Uh, but both of those examples are actually examples of where the worlds are not actually uh, separate. So now and then, here and there, is actually a time travel story. Yeah, there's one world. <laughs> it is just. Earth, but in the far-flung future when the sun is dying. Kind of like uh, a like a Doctor Stone. Yes, yeah. Doctor Stone's an example of a just a time travel or Inuasha. More recent going one. Back that in the time. Zoomers will know. Yeah. Um. So time travel doesn't count because it's the same world. They don't go to a different world. They just go to a different time in the world. And if similarly, right. if you think about it, like you wouldn't call someone going from Russia to America a, a isekai. Even though it's different, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's going to a different place. Yeah, so that's effectively what those stories are. Digimon is... The digital world is inherently connected to the real world. And that's a big thing, too. Um, the other world has to be separate. And by, what I mean by separate... Because obviously there's some sort of connection to the to our world for the story to happen, obviously. Um, but the connection has to be made after the fact of its like formation. Right. So essentially, the idea is that the world, the other world, is a native world that has its own sort of native formation uh, and its own original sort of development as a as a world, right? Yeah. And then eventually, it becomes like, there becomes a connection that becomes a bridge to our world. So you have something like a uh, like Spirited Away, for instance, where that's like not a distinct world; it's like a spiritual world that's. Just sort of exists, coexists alongside ours. Yeah, so there are other terms um, for stories that get called isekai a lot by like Annie Twitter. Yeah, Spirit Away is what we we probably consider an ikai. Okay. Ikai is uh, isekai, but without that se uh, syllable. Uh, it Quite basically literally, yes. it means uh, it means spiritual worlds or spirit like a uh, other world, right, right. etc. So like Spirit Away, Yu Hakusho. Um, Dragon Ball Z, to an extent, could be considered ikai, um, in the, or at least in a literal, like, descriptive sense of, like, what is that other thing? Uh, it's not a separate world. It's a world that's connected to ours, but through a sort of, uh, you know, its, its own medium, like a spirit, spirituality or whatever, right? Right. Or some sort of deity, etc. So the important thing to take away from this is what you're saying is Bleach is not an isekai. No, not at all. That would also be uh, an ikai, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Soul Society and, uh, you know, more specific, like, the Soul Society is just heaven? What? It's just heaven. Is it? I have no idea. I've never seen Bleak. Uh, yeah, Soul Society is just heaven. No fucking way. But uh, it's a very interesting heaven because it effectively just becomes a uh, 
feudalism. It's a feudal country <laughs> with feudalism in place. So it's like you die well, and then your soul goes to feudalism. It's not very fun. Well, feudalism was the peak of humanity. <laughs> and that's the thing about glaciers that there's poverty. There's poverty inside uh, heaven. <laughs> there's poverty in heaven. Yeah. Glaciers are also funny because there's soul society and then hell. So they didn't really do anything different for hell. Hell's just hell. You briefly uh, mentioned, like, tags and stuff in relation to, like, uh, the, the mode of transfer, mm-hmm. uh, reincarnation, summoning, gates, stuff like that. And what what do you mean by tags, exactly? So I think this would be a good time to explain, because, um, so there's another reason why something like Digimon, uh, now and then here and there, Spirit Away, etc., are not isekai. The reason why we could also not consider them isekai is because they don't match and they never existed within the uh, the space that we've considered like modern, like normal, like modern isekai to come out of, which that space is Sosatsuka Ninaro, hmm. which is a amateur publishing site um, made, I think, in like 2005. Um, and it's a free web novel site in which you can publish stories. Closest examples in like... America or the West is like Wattpad or like LiveJournal. And so you can write stories on there. And the stories are usually unique stories to themselves. Um, But the authors are typically amateur. So typically either their first or maybe second writing experience in general. Yeah. They're usually people who uh, either have other jobs or other interests. A lot of salarymen become authors there. As well as they usually read the stuff also on Shosatsuka. So you have things like tags, which are really important because they effectively display what the intertextuality between the works are. So something like Kadokawa's Mushoku Tensei now streaming on Crunchyroll.com for only no 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 we're past that part you don't have to you don't have to show <laughs> we're past that oh okay okay it's wants it's wants to let up okay, okay we, we we don't have to show anymore we already got paid I mean our friends I mean <laughs> um. But like something like Mushoku Tensei has a connection to uh, Faraway Paladin in the sense that they are both Tensei, so they're both reincarnation stories. Uh, they're both stories in which people, um, the main character is alienated from the uh, from their life in general, uh, and then they, they effectively die and then get reincarnated into uh, another world, into a, as, as, a, as a child, a second chance, right? And... These influences are on their sleeves, but not because they are like purposeful ripoffs, but it's to build a sort of understanding of like what is this work ta- what is this work taking, what is this work adding. Um, Fairy Paladin is uh, also specifically been mentioned by the author to be very influenced by Mushoku Tensei. Yeah, there was that uh that that Twitter thread they put out uh, a few weeks ago or something, responding yeah. to a, a weird A and N review. Yeah, so ANN published an interview with uh, Far, Far, Away, uh, Far Away Paladin's uh, author. Um, and then, like, two weeks later, they wrote a This Week in Anime review uh, shitting on it <laughs> and calling it a ripoff of Mushoku Tensei. Uh, so the author, in English, replied to the, the article basically saying, Hey, I don't mind you saying it's a ripoff of Mushoku Tensei. I'm very inspired by Generally, it. people don't think about how the stuff that they say, the feedback that they give for, you know, whatever, uh, is seen by, you know, people making these kinds of stories. Yeah, didn't, wasn't there like a, wasn't like an article recently about how Oda, like, doesn't watch uh, uh, One Piece tubers? <laughs> I haven't seen that. 
I remember reading. I remember seeing that something like Oda was like, "Yeah, I don't watch One Piece content on YouTube." Like he's like, was that was that in reference to the uh, totally not Mark stuff? No, I believe that was for that before that. Okay, I remember actually someone mentioning because yeah, totally not Mark who got uh, destroyed, <laughs> literally destroyed by Toei. Yeah, um, he he mentioned in some like, I think it, or not, I don't know if it was him but or someone else I got mentioned but someone mentioned in relation to that of like oh Oda watches like because Oda has basically said that he like watched any like almost any tube I guess he said like English or foreign language One Piece videos and then he decided to stop doing it because they were like some of them were eerily accurate and he didn't like that. <laughs> like they were making predictions and he's like, no, oh. I, don't, I don't like this. It's too close to what I'm imagining. Yeah, so it's just like, you like feel the need to change course. But yeah, you know, uh, you don't really think about like the feedback, quote unquote feedback you're giving mm-hmm. as like reaching to the creators. But as we've, as we've talked about before, that's also like a, uh, a big part of writing on Shosetsu is the, is the constant, is the feedback between you know, writers on the site commenting and berating each other's work. Yeah, so uh, Shosuke Ninado is incredibly, like, uh, platform-dependent, um, like, thing. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. uh, there's, yeah, there's comments on chapters, on series, on a- authors' pages. Um, there's, uh, there's ratings, uh, there's views, there's analytics... Uh, there's also blogs, like authors can have blogs on there. So I like YouTube in, in a way then. Yeah, so it's actually, that's actually a really good comparison. YouTube is a creator platform, right? Where In which people um, create things and then publish them. But you also have people who never created anything and they do, all they do is consume. Consume. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they, you know, they also comment on a creator's work and also give criticism or feedback or whatever, right? Uh, yeah. And within... Uh, um, so it's called Ninado. You'll have you have content creators. Uh, you have authors, right? They they are themselves are usually readers of Shosuke Ninado. Um, so they start writing stories and they're influenced. They they're influenced by things, and you can see that influence within um, the tags of the story because there's tags. Uh, tags effectively become uh, somewhat subgenres, but they're a little different in how we think about them. Um, but tags are really useful for understanding like what a story's lineage is. Um, yeah, because, you know, if you go, so something that, something that AnyTube or AnyTwitter does a lot is they approach an isekai, um, or a not all story because not all not all stories are, uh, isekai. Uh, they'll approach them and they, they will, they'll basically decide to just call it uh generic or a ripoff of something else or it's just it's just another trash isekai work right uh and they'll never they'll fail to realize that like this story is actually within a separate lineage than other like stories um Mm -hmm. uh so something like farai de paladin is definitely in the same lineage as mushoku tensei but if you compared farai de paladin to um you know something like gate it wouldn't really work out yeah or by the grace of the gods yeah, exactly. So tags are really incre- incredibly useful, and they incredibly are usually are, are incredibly descriptive. So that's also uh, you know yeah, it's very useful. Like some things, some tags are just like dungeon K, which is just like dungeon type, self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like on uh, Pornhub when you're yeah. looking scrolling and you see generic porn, and you're like, oh, this looks really stupid, and you see it's got the incest tag. 
Did it even have an incest tag? Isn't that like illegal on most porn sites? I don't. I think. I think they might have like a step siblings tag. Yeah, because like they, the they have to be step. They have to be step because like incest porn is like technically a gray area of like obscenity. Yeah, they won't. They won't explicitly like put incest there. Maybe maybe on like an edgier site like X Hamster X Videos, but not, not Pornhub, Pornhub is too clean for that. Yeah, too corporate. Yeah, when they literally have to be considering yeah. uh, the credit cards pulled out. Oh yeah, yeah. It's okay to bone the uh, obvious porn actress, but the minute she says, "Oh fuck me, bro," yeah, <laughs> you're going to jail. <laughs> now, be bro's okay because it's like a it's like a nondescript, you know. <laughs> yes, you know. In a lot of ways, Josette is very similar to Pornhub. I don't, like, I don't feel comfortable with that in terms of In terms of, you know, we have, like, a lot of, like, amateur creators on both platforms. <laughs> that's true. That, that is <laughs> true. Self-publishing work. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, yeah. it, it reminds, so, like, it's funny that you were talking about, like, you know, we don't generally think of the authors coming and, like, seeing what we're talking about. Because yeah. I always think of, like, uh, when Mamare Tono, the author of uh, Log yeah. Horizon, went yeah. on A. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What the hell? Yeah, did you not hear, know about that? I'm not, I know. No, he he just came on when like on just one random day while the first season was airing, and it was just, like an like, AMA. Was, uh, sort of. I mean, he was just on by himself, and he couldn't really speak a whole lot of English from what I can remember. Okay. And so it was just kind of him just taking some feedback and yeah, uh, people kind of asking him some questions and stuff. Yeah, people. Um, people that, that was actually one of like the that's like one of A's like <laughs> kind of feats as a board. Yeah, so, yeah, they had they had him come on. Uh, hmm. And then shortly after, he, he got arrested for tax evasion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Japanese police thought he was too knowledgeable about uh, economics. <laughs> yeah, some red flags. It's, it's but, funny. Uh, the funniest thing about uh, Log Horizon, which it is an isekai, um, is uh, it was aired on NHK. Mm-hmm. So there was a there was a little bit of controversy around it airing on NHK, considering he evaded taxes. <laughs> Because NHK is a government pr- uh, program. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, wait, wait, what was he? Would he so, been arrested before or after or during? It was. It Log was Horizon? after. Uh, it was either during or after. Interesting. I I believe. I believe. So where did the most recent season air? I believe on NHK. Yeah. No, it's still air on NHK. Oh, okay. They just still keep it on. Why not? Yeah. I, I think. Uh, yeah. Well, they waited yeah, long forget, enough. Forget. Yeah, he paid his. He paid the money back. Um. But yeah, as far like. Going, kind of going back, I guess, to, uh, you know, YouTube and content creators, uh, you know, we kind of poked fun at Trash Taste earlier and uh, their kind of general sentiments on, you know, Isekai and Mishoku Tensei. Any tube in general. Yeah. And Trash Taste was just the catalyst for that. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the general sentiment of the anime community is just very negative toward isekai like you see it with uh like neurality's video where she's you know i'm tired of isekai Mm -hmm. um and you know even like me like i i don't can like watch a whole lot i've seen a decent amount i would say but i don't watch uh, generally when i see an isekai on like a seasonal chart i usually kind of just gloss over it Mm -hmm. why why would you think that is like in the western community so yeah so the common um approach i think people have with like with an anti twitter or any tube is the idea that like okay this thing is um isekai anime are saturated right they're oversaturated mm-hmm. sure. and yeah so i think there's a couple reasons for that one there has been uptick in adaptations in the last few years um, yeah since mostly like 2016 2017 
mostly through companies like Kadokawa. Pumping them out. Yeah. So uh, Trash Taste is their, their bitch. Uh, really, really makes you think, doesn't it? Really yeah. gets that noggin jogging. So corporations have been uh, a little more, um, or more, obviously more motivated to adapt them. Um, but you also have the, the, you also have the functionality that like, because they're pop- more popular and they're being more adapted, you have the criticism of our saturation being kind of misleading. Um, because if you actually look at the charts of the last few years, because I have, because I've watched nearly every isekai anime, uh, there actually isn't that many. No, there are. There are. It, when people say it's like oversaturation, they mean like maybe two or three at most come out in a season. Yeah, it's only a couple really come out of the season, and that's only in the last like two to three years. Yeah, and there's still plenty of other stuff to watch. They've been making this take for a long time now. Yeah. And so only a, really a couple, a few come out every season. But you also have the influx of um, adaptations from things like Noddle, like Sozo Skinny Noddle, or Kakuyomu. Kakuyomu is the amateur novel site uh, created by Kadokawa. So uh, you have stories coming from those um, places, those sources, and they get obviously they get adapted into a light novel, um, and then usually a manga adaptation first, and then eventually an, an anime if they get it, right? Mm-hmm. And these stories, while not isekai, have obviously a similar lineage to most isekai, right? So Yeah, a similar pipeline. Yeah, so like, you know, um, there's a few VRMMOK stories, which are more similar to SEO. Bofuri. Bofuri. Uh, I can't think I'm of any others. Drawing a, I'm drawing a blank, because I know, I know a few of them, but I don't remember their titles. Yeah, I, there, there was one that came out either this season or recently. Yeah, there's a few of them. Akuma Kuma 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 yeah. is also one of them. Kuma 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 Kuma. Kuma Chameleon. Well, that actually, that one might be an I know, I haven't seen it. Um, anyways, but yeah, so there's an influx of adaptations from general, uh, like, light novels and things like that that can't have a source from, like, something like Noto. Yeah. Um, so the stories themselves feature a similar, a similar like, traits, right? Mm-hmm. And like I said, like, earlier, Dungeon K, that's a f- there's adaptations like that. Um, so you have stories like this that get called Isekai because they're similar enough to Isekai in, in the sense of, like, how the stories are formulated. But they're not isekai. Yeah, or something like uh, like Demon King Academy. Yes, uh, was a recent one that. Yes, Malsa Magakuen. Yeah, or, or 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 fuck even 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 native isekai like Goblin Slayer. God damn it! <laughs> uh, Goblin Slayer is yeah, Goblin Slayer is a good example. Um, so a lot of these stories will just be fantasy stories because they're not isekai, right? Yeah, they come from it's one world. The characters from that world, and they stay in that world. Yeah, uh, but there's just then are usually uh, high fantasy in- influenced, or and then they also JRPG like, aspects in general. JRPG, yeah. In the um, case of Goblin like, Slayer, like D and D. Yeah, there's actually tabletop RPGs are also really influential. Um, yeah, yeah. So when you have that, you have that in terms of like all these adaptations, like Goblin Slayer. Uh, recent one that people got really bitch uh, bitched about last year was um, was a redo of Healer Kaifuku. Just to see, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that one. Oh, God. Yeah, Redo of Healer, which is not an isekai. No, it's not. It wasn't? The dude's just from there. Yeah, yeah, he was just from there. Yeah, he was the guy. And he just, like, kind of, like, goes back in time. Damn. Yeah, so he, he dies, um, but instead of dying and just staying dead, he gets, uh, like, he gets transported back to, like, his younger self. Yeah. See, I watched this whole show, 
But you can tell what I was paying attention to. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It definitely yeah. wasn't <laughs> just the porns. So, yeah, so, like, Redo of Healer is not an isekai, but it comes from Sotetsu Kuninado. Um, Sukyo Rui, the author of it, is someone who's also written isekai stories. Uh, like the one that aired last season, which is... What was um, it? Everyone was praising it? Long title. hating the man? I call it Assassin Isekai. It's basically oh, yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you have those sort of things, um... And I think that also help, like really worsens the idea of like there's too many isekai. Oh, they're all just another isekai trash. Because when you consider every novel story, and to a worse extent every fantasy story, because remember someone like Gigguk called um, what's the uh, Isuzuku reviewers? He called that an isekai. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. God. So if you call everything an isekai, then the oversaturation problem becomes a lot more blatant, right? Yeah. It's more of a problem than it is. Like, I see it similarly with, uh, like, magical girl shows. Because, mm. like, when you also about Isekai, like, one a season is not a negligible amount. When it comes to, like, magical girls specifically, like, you get the people complaining about Madoka clones mm -hmm. and, like, the really dark and edgy, grim dark oh, yeah, uh, magical yeah. girl shows. Like, uh, Magical Girl Raising Project, uh, yeah, Magical Sight. Yeah. Uh, Beyond the Boundary, or not Beyond the Boundary. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, Magical Girl, The Twilight Janai, <laughs> I can't remember the name. Um, but yeah, you you only get, like, one a year, if that. But people still will complain about oversaturation of, like, dark, edgy Magical Girl shows, where you still are getting one Precure every year. So really, in reality, you get one edgy show for one normal show, you know, kids' Magical yeah, Girl yeah. show. And then that's not even including... The ones that people generally aren't talking about. You really get a shortage of like Majoko at Magical Girl shows, which uh, is kind of close to like a Musical Dreamy that came out a couple of last year. But people aren't really necessarily talking about those. They're just talking about they want more shows like, you know, Sailor Moon. Yeah. But when you look at it, it's kind of less of a problem of oversaturation in that genre. Like you're not necessarily getting a whole season full of edgy Magical Girl shows. It's more of just like, a lack of an alternative for those people. Mm -hmm. So, like, with the Norality's video specifically, like, all of her complaints just kind of seem like, you know, entry-level, I-watch-anime stuff-that's-popular problems, you know? Like, yeah. a lot of the stuff she's complaining about is not necessarily an actual issue, it's just more you're kind of only filtering anime through word-of-mouth and what's popular in the West... So you see, perceive that as an issue. Yeah, so Norali's video on I'm Tired of Isekai is a great example of why this is a non-issue, essentially. It's a mountain of a mole, out of a molehill. Because the way she cites her issue, right? Um, which, by the way, I think the funniest thing about that entire video, which I have seen all of it and I hate it. I'm sorry to hear that. Is that she seen like six anime. <laughs> <laughs> She's seen like six isekai anime. That's it. And then she's somehow tired of it. Like, all right. All listen, right. Gil, listen, Gil, you're just built different. <laughs> well, she even seems like she liked ReZero. So it's weird that she's like <laughs> talking about how she fucking hates all these isekai, but she's like having to force herself to kind of shit talk ReZero for being problematic. That's or the something. weird thing is it, it just comes across as if as if you're being forced to watch these things. Yeah. And the, <laughs> six, like, the six shows she talked to uh, six shows she's seen. She only talked about two of them. And then neither of them had any connection to each other. Yeah. Bookworm and ReZero don't really have connection to each other. No. So, yeah, the video is an incredibly good example of, like, why, how much 
exact oversaturation is like not a problem because her the way she cites it being a problem is Crunchyroll, mm-hmm. our sponsor, for eight dollars and seventy two cents. just keeps changing uh but yeah she goes through crunchyroll so the only shows you can really see is just what crunchyroll picks up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so she looks through it she sees all these shows again she points out a lot of fantasy shows a lot of fantasy shows that have basis in like not all story types so all these are isekai it's oversaturated yeah so it's a really good example of like how these people who complain about oversaturation talk about it because one, these people never watch these shows. They don't. They're complaining about something that they don't watch, right? Yeah. They don't watch these shows. Yeah, I, I'm upset by their continuing to be Pokemon, <laughs> even though I don't watch Pokemon. Yeah, bro, I fucking hate Sasai Song. Why they keep making fucking episodes? What the of fuck? That bitch? Yeah, come on. I... <laughs> Since the exactly. '60s, are you? Come on. I watched a random obscure anime from 2014, and they could be putting all that budget from Sazaya-san into making a season two of that anime that no one liked back then. True, though. Yo, where's where's uh, where's Spice of Wolf season three, brother? Cancel Sazaya-san. <laughs> Fuck this Shinshan bullshit. Yeah, so like that's the thing. Uh, and then you have, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the Norality, yeah, the Norality is so bad. I fucking hate that video, bro. We could have like a whole thing just going through that video. But uh, well, you mentioned like you know having seen like only six and. You've seen most, if not every? Most. I've not seen every. Okay. Uh, which which kind of just relates back to, like, mass consumption, database consumption type stuff, which... What was it? Was it Joe saying that he's read, like, a few hundred stories on Shosetsu? Where it's, like, the people, like, on, uh, on Shosetsu, people just, like, read a lot of different stories as well. And they all just kind of publish concurrently, so it's not really a saturation issue for them. So, yeah. So, one of the things about, uh, like, how isekai or how general not all fiction um, are broadly, like, sort of formatted. Because on the website, right, on Shosetsu ni Naro, which is uh, just Shosetsu, there's actually, the, the stories are actually split in between two things. One is Genjutsu Sekai. I think that's the word, the phrasing they use, but I can't remember if it's exactly Genjutsu. But basically, our world, or real world, and then the other is another world, or a fictional world. So all the isekai is on that side of the other spectrum, and then the all the other non-isekai and all the non-other uh, worlds, like the more grounded, like... Stuff like, I want to eat your pancreas. Yeah, exactly. Those are on the other side. Yeah. You really don't have to look, like, if you want isekai, or you want fantasy, you just go to fantasy. Yeah. And you have tags like high fantasy, low fantasy. I would presume, like, sci-fi is also lumped in there as well. Yeah, SF, yeah. And you have all these tags, and these tags help you to look what you want to read. Right. Because if you really like Dungeon Case stories, then you want to read more Dungeon Case stories. Then people who read those stories want to want more of those stories, so they start writing those stories. Yeah. Or in the case of, like, uh, so, like, really interesting example of, like, how authors, like, start trying to approach the story, um, trying to approach uh, writing on uh, on Sosetsuka Ninado is the Faraway Day Paladin, uh, Faraway Paladin um, uh, author talked about how he, his friend wanted to start writing um, amateur stories to get into a competition, mm-hmm. because that's a huge part of the platform is that there's uh, amateur writing competitions in which if you right, get, that's if how you like get a lot of people just get published. Yeah, if you win, then you'll most likely get published. Uh, you'll, yeah. you'll, your your web novel will be turned into a light novel. Um, and if so, but you besides that, he you know he yeah, he he has a friend who wanted to become a uh, yeah wanted to enter one of these competitions, and then he said, hey, I'm going to do it too. 
right? And he, specifically, he was influenced by tabletop RPGs. Hmm. Because in tabletop RPGs, you often make campaigns, like in Dungeons & Dragons, right? You make campaigns, and you write, you write scenarios, essentially. You effectively create a, a narrative within the game you're playing. And so Farway Paladin's author, he, you know, he specifically said that, like, yeah, there's kind of like this dream or this kind of like this basic thing of like, yeah, you want to you want you want to turn that into a story, but it's difficult, but you still want to turn it into a story. And then that's how he sort of approached writing Farway the Paladin. He was also a huge fan of Mushoku Tensei, which I believe is the second highest ranked story on Tosutsuka Ninata. Yeah, after Slime, I believe. Uh, and there's other authors who cited this before. Um was it uh, the author of Death March, which is a st- which is a, sh- a story that I'm making a video on? Uh, Ainana uh, Sensei. He I, I don't think he's explicitly talked about it before, but there is information about how he used to be a game dev, hmm. and specifically he used to make tabletop RPGs, and then he started writing a story. And what is the story about? Well, it's a story about a game dev dying of overwork and going to another world, a fantasy world, right? And then yeah. then. Yeah, and then it becomes the seventh most popular, highest-ranked Sosatsuki Ninato story. That's why everyone's assuming that it's just generic trash in the yeah. West. It's pretty old, too. It's it's It was coming out around the same time as, uh, like, it's up there with, like, Mishoku Tensei in terms of age, isn't it? I'm not sure. I'm not, no, I think it's, actually, it's it's a little bit younger, I believe. I think it was, like, 2014, 2015. Okay. Uh, started being written, like, 2012. When they do, like, these competitions for, like, Soisetsu, mm-hmm. they like writing the full, like, it has to be, like, a self-contained, like, first volume or whatever. Because I know um, with Sword Art Online, I know there's an interview that, like, the first volume is kind of, like, the whole Aincrad arc. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, like, side story stuff that happens in the anime was all in the second volume. And he supposedly, like, wrote that. I mean, I'm not super familiar with it, but he supposedly wrote that with for, like, a competition, like, the first volume. So is that kind of standard where, where people will write, like, a self-contained, like, first volume, and then, like, when they get adapted or picked up for syndication or whatever, they will kind of flesh it out more later on? Or do they kind of leave it open-ended so they can get picked up? Or how does that usually work? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I think I believe that is how it broadly works. Because, like, I know, yeah, I know the Far Away the Paladin author, he wrote Far Away the Paladin to be in the competition. That's how he he started it, writing in the competition. I know, I know. Joe has said that like some competitions will have like you know your store needs to fit like these specific criteria or have like these certain elements, and then people will, when submitting to the uh, for a competition, will make edits to their story uh, in order to like you know be applicable. It's like when they give you a writing prompt in school, and it's like write about a time that made you happy and you just write the same <laughs> shit that you wrote two years ago and you just changed some <laughs> just, shit around. Well, it's like, from what I've been told, you have an, like an example of this would be like, because uh, there like discrepancies between like the web novel on Shosetsu and then, you know, changes are made when it gets published into a proper light novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like an example of this would be, from what I understand, in Overlord, Albedo is either not a character or not as prominent in the uh, the web novel. And then, when publishing for the light novel, uh, I guess like editors, publishers, whatever, wanted her to be like more prominent in the story, so that's what happened. I don't know about that specifically. I'm pretty sure Albedo is in both of them, but I do know there's a distinction between the web novel and the light novel in terms of Albedo. Albedo has a uh, sister, 
and the sister is apparently sicko mode, <laughs> and she's like said to be stronger than Ainz uh, himself. Interesting. But I believe she's exclusive to like either one of the stories. I think she might be exclusive to the web novel. Okay. I do know. Um, it might be in both, or there might be also again a publishing decision there. I know Overlord is originally written in a, a third person perspective. Mm. Is it kind of to try to match like the fact that a video game might be in third person, like an MMO? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but I remember when Joe told me that, I was like, that's weird. It's interesting. Yeah, like such like a small, like a weird change like that, that would be just a, a pain to implement. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, when they go into like line novels, I think it's mostly just a sort of thing of just trying to clean up the story. Uh, So one of the things that, because like no one really talks about this when talking about isekai generally, when, like when, mm-hmm. when complaining, you're not going to have people knowing what Shosetsu even is. And I think I think another reason that like discourse around Isekai um and in a lot of ways just like yeah Shosetsu light novels in general uh on Anitube mm-hmm. is it's very colored by uh, the way people talk about like like film on YouTube in that mm. one you have people think that it's 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 anime studios writing these stories or choosing to adapt them which is yeah which is not the case uh, and and people yeah. don't really think about like you know these stories are made by amateur writers. Yeah. So it's 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 you're not gonna you're not gonna get a tale of of two cities. Why would you even expect something like that? Uh, but so you know, but you know, they think and they see like, oh, this is such like a derivative thing. And what they imagine is like like a derivative movie or like just a like a, a shameless cash and something like uh, Jack and Jill or like insert late Adam Sandler movie here, people think that when they see something like Death March and they don't really they don't really think of the machinations that are actually going on. They just see derivative thing, cash grab, cynically made, therefore bad. They don't really pay attention to any like the actual context. It's all just assumed and taken for granted. Yeah, so yeah, the thing about um the thing about the isekai, like the pushing it into more as like a as like more of an anime genre, right? Um, because it's been written for a while now, but obviously the adaptations have been slow, slow to get there, right? Michoko Sensei started writing, publishing in 2012, and now we're getting a, a publish, uh, publishing in 2021. Yeah, I mean anime in 2021. So obviously that's that's quite a bit of a da- gap. It takes a good couple years. Yeah, these are largely because of committees and production companies and other studios themselves. Uh, right. And Katakawa is a huge one. And it, they are trying to turn these out because they are popular stories. Like, that's the thing about people don't really understand about, like, the oh, why are these oh, why are the, all these isekai novels getting adapted? Well, because they're popular. <laughs> people like them. Yeah, there's a demand there that they're yeah. trying to satiate. The people like them. They're the ones that get adapted into an anime are the ones that get popular. You don't see the ones that don't get any readers on Shosetsu. You know they, they don't they don't get adapted. You said like Death March is what number seven on Shosetsu, and yeah. people would probably just assume it's like this obscure thing that just got picked up for some random reason. And it's like no, there's a pre-established fan base there. People, yeah, people just think automatically that because they're, you know, because it's a. 12 episode series uh isekai character dies or character gets summoned or something like that then it's automatically doing the same thing as everything else and what the, what, the, what they don't what they don't realize is that one it's not ripoffs 
Uh, they're not copies. Uh, they are what, you know, in, in terms of Ozuma, like you know, Hidoki Ozuma's like database model, right? They're simulacra, right? They're not they're copies nor originals. They're derivatives, but they're in that sense of like they're taking what they've read, they're taking what they've consumed, and they're putting it into a story that they wanted to write. And yeah, it is amateur. It, they are amateur, and there are, um, and that's the reason why you have things like Sometimes you have more problematic parts of it because it's a little harder to write a story from when you're an amateur, right? Yeah, especially if you're doing this just as a hobby in yeah. your off time. And, you know, things like people always talk about, like, why is there so many slaves in Isekai? Well, it's because they're amateur, right? They're amateur stories. Yeah. And it's hard to write a story like a game or like a tabletop RPG. Where you have a party. Yeah. Without it's It's hard to write a story that's like that, but still be not an actual physical game, right? Because you're not making a you're not making a story about uh a, a you know a character that has NPCs. These are real people. It's a native world. It's a has its own living, you know, entity. But you still want to care you still want to write a character that has a party, that has companions that won't portray them. So you make slaves. Uh, and, and I guess just to, like, you know, briefly return to, like, you know, Neurality has only seen, like, what, 60 Sakai? Yeah, she showed how many she ha- she watched in the video. And it's like, this is what you're complaining about? It's like, imagine being, like, I've listened to six metal albums, <laughs> and I am here to tell you all metal sounds the same. I mean, yeah, six yeah. would sound like a very large sample size when you've only seen, like, 50 anime, so, I mean. I guess, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she probably has seen, like, really small amount of anime. yeah. Yeah, what we're trying to say here is if Neuralities, if you're listening, link your mouth, you coward. Neuralities, if you're listening to this, I don't like you. <laughs> I like your voice. Um, <laughs> oh, you fucking simp. 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 Fucking simp. I don't like your voice. I kind of like your voice, but God, I wish you would fucking talk about something else. Talk about anything else. But no, it's. I feel like it's kind of a shame that people kind of take that mentality, which I, I get it. You know, people that don't watch a whole lot or like build a, any kind of database for them to kind of draw from i get why they would see that as you know derivativeness of being just inherently bad if you're just like casually coming home on you know the weekend and wanting to watch a new anime and you just see oh it's just the same shit i watched you know three weeks ago but i feel like a lot of people kind of miss out on that you know the more interesting element of that kind of databasing with Magical Girls, like, I can watch basically any Magical Girl show, and you can kind of see, like, the lineages, and it's like, oh, is this, like, a Majoko? Is this one of the, like, similar to, like, a Studio Perot uh, Magical Show from the 80s, or is this more like a Sailor Moon? And you kind of get that interesting, like, deconstruction going on where you can kind of see the lineages and kind of compare and contrast how they're kind of taking those elements and what they're doing something different, which, from what I've seen of, like, Isekai, like, you could do that with those, just people tend to not choose to they just kind of write it off immediately and it's one of those things where it's like the more the more you consume the more you watch the more you you'll pick up on and be able to appreciate yeah so i mean i think i think there is a reason for this and i think one of the reasons is because a lot of the uh foundational like store like isekai stories um didn't get adapted first Mm. what was adapted was what was adapted right because whatever committee or whatever company decided that was more profitable at the time right so you don't really have, like, the same sort of lineage. You don't have the same sort of, like, understanding of the lineage as you would on Shosetsuko Ninado itself. Because, for example, nowadays you have people who 
the constant claim about Mushoku Tensei is that it invented every trope in Isekai. The granddaddy right. of Isekai. Granddaddy of Isekai. Which, which is weird, because then people who say that will then also say, like, Alice in Wonderland was, like, the first Isekai, and it's like, what are you, <laughs> what? Either isn't it the granddaddy of Isekai, or it is. So which one is it, bucko? Yeah, yeah, which one is it? Pick one. There's that, there's that assumption, right? Uh, and... There are truths that Mushoku Tensei is influential. I mean, obviously, you see that with the Farway Dipal. And it's obviously there's truth in that Mushoku Tensei is influential in terms of like isekai stories. And obviously, you have like the Farway Dip, uh, Farway Paladin's author directly citing it as like a, there's a direct influence for his yeah, story. Yeah. Um, but you know, stories like Mushoku Tensei existed before Mushoku Tensei, and Mushoku Tensei's author didn't even, would not, he was like, yeah, it's blatantly wrong that I invented everything. Yeah, yeah, well, we brought that up in, like, the, uh, in our in our Mushoku Tensei review, Wink Up in the Corner. Um, <laughs> well, it's interesting because people, people who generally don't care about lineages suddenly do when it's Mushoku Tensei, and they think that, you know, that's because that was a big part of the marketing for Mushoku Tensei. Brought to you by Katakawa, available on Crunchyroll.com. Yeah, Katakawa did advertise as a granddaddy. Yeah, yeah, and then you have, like, you know, the mouthpieces of Katakawa trash taste mm-hmm. uh, regurgitating those points in yeah. a very, what feels like a very cynical way. We watched, like, a clip uh, that just felt like a straight-up commercial. They'd, like, they were just reading off bullet points as to why you should go watch Mishoku Tensei airing now on Crunchyroll.com. Yeah, they're generally kind of very lame and vague. And then all of a sudden, when they would talk about very specific points, it was always very detailed. Yeah. <laughs> it, only ma- it only makes yeah, you think. Every, every, yeah, every anime, uh, every Anitube video on Mushoku Tensei just regurgitates that take that it's the most influential isekai ever made. Yeah, well, that's the only thing anyone ever talks about. Yeah. For example, I think I think there was a few claims like this. I think uh, Gigguk and... Uh, what's that other cunt? Joey Connor Scramboli Scamboli Scamboli. Oh God! Uh, they made the they made the claims that uh, Mushoku Tensei invented the uh, truck coon trope. The that makes no sense. The vehicles going crashing into the uh, main character, them dying, reincarnated. Yeah. First of all, you have uh, you already have works in on like you already have like on animation and manga that. Have this like Yu Hakusho has it. Yu Hakusho is the clearest example of Me that. Too. But there are other Tensei isekai that have it that were started writing quite a bit before Mushoku Tensei. Uh, Knights and yeah. Magic is one of them. Not with the wrong apostrophe. With the wrong apostrophe, which is in the Japanese. Well, it's in the yeah, Japanese official tr- uh, translation. It's I mean, it's you know in the obviously in the. Uh, in the Japanese, it says night, night, uh, night doors, uh, endo <laughs> magic. But, uh, you have like the main character dying, uh, by being hit by a car. That was re- that started writing, I think, two years before Mushoku Tensei started being published or started being written on Shoshinsuka. So, you already don't have that, that claim, obviously, already doesn't hold water. Mushoku Tensei is influential, and it's also very popular. So it is important to talk about, but... It's not the end-all, be-all. Yeah, there should really be no work that is just considered, like, the grandfather of Isekai, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah, or, or, or just yeah, any... Unless it's, like, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Yeah, yeah, Gilgamesh is my favorite Isekai. Oh, yeah, well, no, yeah, just, like, saying, oh, yeah, this invented everything, and then... You know, and there are Isekai that the authors don't even, like, consider Isekai or don't like being, it being called Isekai. Um, I know one of them is the... 
can't remember what it's called. I think it's like fantasy world building or something. It's like the title is like very descriptive like that. And he specifically called it uh, Hoka no Sekai, which uh, I think would be more accurately translated as like different world. But this is another term that was used as concurrently when like Isekai started being term uh, being a term. Yeah. Uh, and Isekai just kind of picked up randomly. Well, it's like, I can remember a time where it's like, you know, Isekai was nowhere even close to like being in the public lexicon as far as like people talking about anime. Yeah. So so you briefly, you know, brought up a title there. Do we want to do you want to address people complaining about light novel titles being too long? This isn't like an, a specific like isekai thing, but it's like commonly associated with isekai. Yeah, so I mean there's a general trend with light novels and specifically otaku like publishing where the uh the title should be descriptive, should be functional, yeah, rather than poetic. And in terms of Souls of Minato, it's uh you know because of the fla- the how the platform influences how stories get picked up and how stories get read and things like that. Tags and titles are really important because if your title describes what the narrative is, then you're more likely to want to read it because that's what you're looking for. Yeah. It's it again. It's 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 like a YouTube video. You want to describe what's in the video with the title. Yeah, it's so funny that like any tubers are incapable of understanding how this title works, considering they use the, the, the same exact title. They're on. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre. Well, sometimes they do. Sometimes you're like Kenny Lauderdale, and you can't actually put the title of whatever you're making a video on the video, or no one will click on it. Oh, you gotta yeah. clickbait people somehow. Yeah, it's, it's effectively clickbait. I mean, like in a, in a in a roundabout sense. Yeah, yeah. People will criticize light novel titles while ironically having a very long, like, title for the YouTube video they're critiquing light novel titles in. And the the irony there just, again, I think it's because that people just don't know how these stories originate. So that so the irony just never sets in. Yeah, because, like, the, uh, the Gigag video in which he complains about light novel titles uh, is titled very similarly to light novel titles. Yeah. And I, I, re- I remember I read comments of people like, like, oh, that's so clever, ha ha ha. But I don't think he actually did it intentionally. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it was. I don't think it was. Because um, it's just titled like a YouTube video. But in, yeah. in you know, because but because of that, it's similar to YouTube titles themselves. I mean to uh to light novel titles. Yeah. And as well as people complain about people complain about uh the you know, obviously the length of the title, right? Anime titles should be uh, should have brevity, you know, like they should be short, they should be concise, etc., etc. Well, the thing about it actually is because one, you have platform influences of, hey, I need to get this novel to be read, right? I need to, I need the story to be read by people, so I need to, I need to appropriately uh, title it in, in a very descriptive sense so people understand what they're getting into and they want to read it. But as well as the fact that like these titles, um, the really really long ones, right? Uh, they always have abbreviations. Yeah, they do. So readers and consumers of the stories, either in, in the original web novel or light novel or manga or anime, they use the abbreviations. The abbreviations are official. It just comes about, yeah. Konosuba is an abbreviation. ReZero is an abbreviation, more or, or less. Is abbre- yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah. Yeah, these are abbreviations. Um, Uchi, uh, Uchi Musume is an abbreviation of a much longer fucking title about... I would kill the demon lord if it was for my daughter, etc. Um, and I mean, even like a death march, right? Which uh, in English, I think the most abbrevi- um, most comfortable abbreviation is death march because the title is long as fuck. Um, but in Japanese, it's actually uh, desma. 
Darth Maul. We we this had Maul. we had the we had the convenience of just saying slimy Sakai until I've been killing slimes for three hundred years came out, and now it's a little bit more confusing. Uh, slimy Sakai is called uh, Tensura. Tensura, yeah, um, which is Ryushin Tensei uh, Tensei slime. But yeah, well, I think it's also like they know what they're doing. When they, when they have a long title like that as well, it's it's certainly all become like a point of parody as well. I'd imagine, where it's just like okay, oh easily, yeah, yeah. There's easily uh, parodies of it. We're gonna make this like really long and ridiculous. Where it's like they're aware, but there's also a functionality to it as well that just gets totally overlooked most of the time. Well, it's fine. so I I earlier said like you know it's like it's more for like functionality rather than like being poetic or anything like that, right? Or yeah. being uh, flowery. Brevity is the soul of wit and all that. Yeah, Shit. yeah. yeah. And, but there's, there's titles that creatively use the long titles to be the title, right? I mean, like, um, yeah. uh, it's so fucking long. But the really, really long one about, like, at the end of the world. Yeah. Shumatsu nani shite masu ka? Isogashi desu ka? Sukute morata... Yeah, what do you do at the end of the world? Are you busy? Will you save us? There's one from the from the author of Kino no Tabi, which is, this is clearly taking the piss, and I'm not going to read the Japanese title. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I'm a high school boy and a successful light novel author, but I'm being strangled by a female classmate whose voice act, who is a voice actress and is younger than me. <laughs> it's like, okay. Clearly a joke. Yeah, not everything needs to. Not everything needs to be bakemonogatari. Needs to be like a clever pun or something. It's funny because these abbreviations have existed for a long time. Yeah, I mean, think about Digimon, Pokemon. They're abbreviations, right? Yeah, Japanese loves abbreviating things, uh, regardless of its English or Japanese itself. Like they, they love yeah, abbreviating things for branding. A lot of like loan words just get abbreviated to like an unrecognizable degree sometimes. Yeah, uh, yeah, they love abbreviating shit. So the 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 the, the very uh, descriptive title doesn't. There's no problem with it because there's also a shorter title. Well, I've actually heard part of it is like marketing. It's like a you know cold sell. Like you have a short amount of time to like sell yourself, so or sell the product you're selling. Sometimes that's yourself, <laughs> but you have like a short amount of time, so you're trying to you know get that out there as quickly as possible, as concisely as possible. So if someone's just looking for a you know a light novel, they see the title and it kind of gives you a brief idea of what's in the light novel in the title, and so you kind of make a selection based on that. And you know it's funny because uh, um, Joe uh, Joe made a few uh, short sketches on his second channel about light novel titles. Um, oh yeah, he did. Yeah, that was like response. right after that Giga video. Yeah, really in response bad. to the shitty Giga video. Yeah, uh, and one of the videos he talks about, he's like, he's like, like he plays a character reading a book, and the other character is like, "Hey, what are you reading?" And he's like, then he reads out the title, uh, like something, something race car spider or some shit like that. Um, <laughs> came up with and then the character's like oh what's it about and then he just reads out the title again <laughs> yeah the Fuck functionality off. of the synopsis uh, the title basically as a synopsis is makes a lot of sense especially when you're in a sort of cutthroat environment like it, amateur writing is yeah again it's, you it's have to like compete with like everyone like, else like i know what the video is going to be about based on the title i know what the story's about based on the title yeah 
we've talked a lot of like about isekai in the general kind of context and like the idea and concept of isekai but i guess i mean we've seen some isekai and obviously gil you've seen quite a bit so what i mean what would you say are some of your favorite like shows or like series uh well mushika tensei is definitely up there uh in terms of especially uh the production of the anime itself yeah sure. how every blade of grass was animated <laughs> yeah, every blade of grass was animated yeah exactly um mushika tensei is definitely up there i probably wouldn't consider my favorite though Siki Michi from last year was also really, really good. I really like Overlord. Um, Death March, Death March has a special place in my heart, but I wouldn't consider it like a favorite, really. Yeah. Because uh, it's mostly just interesting. But as a show, as a or as a Isekai story, it's it's kind of it's kind of okay. Um, Gate Gate is uh, a, a, an amazing time if you want to watch JSD JSDF. Oh Barbara. hell yeah! Yeah, was Gate from Shosetsu? Uh, originally Arcadia. Which okay. Is different, uh, actually, older yeah. than Shosetsu. That was Overlord, wasn't it? Yes, Arcadia. Yeah, Overlord's also from Arcadia, and then yeah. uh, Arcadia. Yeah, then Shosetsu. Uh, sorry, Overlord left Arcadia to Shosetsu, then yeah. then got uh, went to a light novel, or like it went to Shosetsu after it became a light novel, or something like that. Yeah. Fun fact about Gate. Uh, by the way, uh, the author came back from uh, the Iraq War in two thousand four. And then start writing Gate on Arcadia. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Huh. About how the JSDF is the best, the best soldiers in the world. <laughs> I was like contrasting that with like the opening scene of Pat Labor Two in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. the gay author is fucking hilarious. Can you yeah. can you get yeah, a video? Like can you can you put up uh, images of the gay author? <laughs> oh yeah, where, where he's like with like the JSDF at a book signing. Oh, it's so funny. There's so many of them. There's also funny like stories about like how the uh, the mangaka author of the manga adaptation of Gate he he fucking hates the author. <laughs> really? Yeah, he hates the author because he's an asshole. <laughs> but he likes the story, so or he likes well he likes write he likes making art for the story. The art is lit. It's almost like the polar opposite of like uh, Yojo Senki. Where people got upset after finding out that the author was a communist or something. Yeah, no, the author, yeah, the author of Yojisenki is the polar opposite of the author of Gate. Yojisenki's author is, like, not nationalistic at all. Yeah. Mumi, what, what are some of your favorite? Because you were, like, telling me, well, you're taking a bit of a break, uh, that you've seen more isekai than, than you initially thought. So what are some of your favorites? <laughs> some of my, I mean, I guess technically my, like, my favorite, I guess it's Mashoku Tensei. I don't know how much that value that really has (laughs) coming from me, but yeah, I mean, uh, well, I take that back. Do we, is the 12 kingdoms, is that isekai or is that non isekai anymore? Well, that's that's another thing where it's just like, it is, but it isn't. Well, yeah, I think, I think 12 kingdoms. Well, I think, so there are stories that like are also influential, like SEO is influential to isekai. Um, yeah, but stories like, um, Sakai Ma. That's also like a really influential story, uh, in terms of uh, like like Josetsu authors and things like that. Because uh, yeah, then that, that's our that's our like the manga started in like the two, early two thousands, and then like the anime uh, also started in, like the two thousands. Which I just want to watch it. So, so you have stories like that that like aren't really isekai themselves, but they Sakai Ma you probably could consider an isekai. Uh, it might be like a little bit of a stretch, but it's like it's like loosely connected. 
something like Three Kingdoms, it's kind of where we get into the problem with how to define a genre versus defining a word. Right. And also defining a lineage, too, right? Because something like, you know, Knights in Magic and Mushoku Tensei are both from the Nado. They're both Tensei. You know, they're both created within similar spaces. Yeah, sure. But something like Three Kingdoms isn't at all, right? Twelve Kingdoms. Twelve Kingdoms, sorry. <laughs> not, three yeah, not Three Kingdoms, that's Avatar. The Romance of the Twelve Kingdoms. Romance of the Twelve Kingdoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Twelve Kingdoms isn't in that space. So lineage-wise, it's kind of a little more distant. Well, it's, 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 like, uh, it's like the difference between something like Friday the 13th and Psycho. Sure, Psycho's about a guy with a knife going around killing people, but it it's not really a slasher. It's not it's not really part of the same creative space as something like Friday Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween. Yeah, like yeah, like Halloween and uh, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre are what closer to each other than yeah than Psycho is or Nosferatu. <laughs> Nosferatu. <laughs> so so yeah, like yeah, broader broader horror shit, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's the thing too, right? Is you have the word because a lot of people, and that's where I sort of had to define it earlier. There becomes a problem when you start using the word as uh, just literally, right? Just isekai, another word, word, world. Yeah. Because you could say that about really anything, right? I mean, it's it yeah. really becomes a thing of like, what is it about, right? Isekai, and I think this is how I think it's useful to describe it. Isekai isn't about another world. It's about going to another world. It's about the transfer from one world to another. Right. Um, and that that's the basis of Isekai itself. So it's like, it, yeah, yeah, you can have another world, but does it really care about the transfer? And that's where you get it. So, like, that's the thing about, like, tens, like, and that's the thing about Isekai, right? Because you have all these, these transfer, the different transfers and, like, the way, the different way that they're transferred and these different subgenres and tags, they really do influence how we can really think about the stories because, like, you know, I, I really don't think like um you know, Adi Furetta is the same same exact story as, you know, Death March. And then like, you know, something like that. So the but you but you have like Kumodaska Nanika is sim- or more similar to Adi Furetta uh than something like uh Gate is, right? But they're both Isekai. But yeah. they don't really have that much relevancy towards towards each other. Even within like, you know, stuff being published on uh Shosetsu and Arcadia there's still a, a pretty wide uh, variety of things that it wouldn't make sense to compare everything coming out there that even within the genre of isekai just because of that. Yeah, I mean, it just it then becomes just a thing of just like it's just not a useful term to describe everything. Well, again, it comes back to the issue of just of just call it, just say fantasy. Yeah, just call it, yeah, just say fantasy. Yeah, I mean, like what like what is what is Ishi, what is calling isekai reviewers uh, isekai do? Nothing. It's not isekai. It's there's literally no other world. They're just from that world. They do make a joke in like the last episode about people being like reincarnated into their world, but that's just like a, like a like a one-off joke that they make. But none of the characters are from another world, as far as we know, anyway. That's another thing too, right? You can have stories that reference isekai, and you can have stories that have technically another world, but they're not like trying to do that thing. You know, what I mean, they're not trying to do the same thing. Using it as a literal descriptor is just kind of useless. What's like the one chart of like chaotic, lawful, like isekai like that, where it has like fresh prints in the bottom right? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, okay, I mean, like, okay, you want to call uh, Fulman Alchemist Conqueror Shambhala an isekai, then just call everything an isekai. 
Yeah. What does the word mean anymore, you know? I think it's funny that you have, like, almost the complete opposite problem when you get into, like, Magical Girl shit. Oh, God. Because, <laughs> like, you know, at Isekai, we're, we're, the problem is structuring, you know, a more rigid, like, how you would define the word. Whereas in Magical Girls, it's like, oh, yeah, Devil Man Crybaby is an Isekai, <laughs> or uh, a Magical Girls show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I guess bringing it back to the question, um... Mashoka Tensei would be like my favorite, I guess. And that's that's the one that I guess is the most that I have most like appreciation for, and like you're paid can to? talk about. Oh yeah, hey. no, I mean no, no, I'm Wait. absolutely not. <laughs> um, and then Yuzo Sankey, I guess, would be like second, just as like the more trashy, I guess you want to call it that, where you're just enjoying it because it's fun, and you're not necessarily like trying to appreciate anything on a deeper level. <laughs> Um, and I don't know, I guess, I like, Lock Horizon. Yozo Senki is one of those stories that are just, like, so... It's one of the most anti-capitalist isekai. Because isekai are generally, uh, kind of against, um, capitalism, or at least, like, the very least, they're, they're critical of capitalism and modernity. But you also have, like, but you also have, like, those, like, uh, like, imperialist soft power aspects as well. Yeah, that's, that's the big thing, too, yeah. So even if they are against, like, sort of, like, the modern conditioning... They still, well, yeah, they'll still have like soft power, like they'll still have the influence of the uh, like you know, cold Japan, yeah. Like, uh, when you recently finished season two of uh, Bookworm, which is a lot like that, where it's just like, I am a, I'm, I'm a Japanese woman here, here, here to clean up the place, yeah, to a detriment to the story, I think. In that one, I didn't like how much of like an encyclopedia mine is mm. in Bookworm. Like to to a degree, it, it's fine. But once you start getting into like the logistics of how she's able to do all of this, like she has an expertise in like so many different things, you're just it just she's able of she's able to capably manage an orphanage out of poverty, hey, bro. That's just because she's a she reads a lot of books, bro. Yeah, she's just an average Japanese citizen. They could all do this. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, that's the thing. It's like. It's very clearly like, you know, I don't like the term power fantasy, but there is clearly like an element to that there. Yeah. But everyone loves Bookworm and everyone hates something like like Death March or Smartphone for being quote unquote power fantasies or, you know, audio for Yeah, this is one of the funniest things about uh, Neurali's video on Isekai because she critiques ReZero for being a power fantasy or wish fulfillment. Which I think is hilarious because if anyone's ever actually fucking seen ReZero, you know that man has gone through several layers of hell. So, yeah, I don't really. I want to be Subaru. Subaru's life fucking sucks. It's like sure he gets to come back. It still hurts. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Just because he's surrounded by hot girls doesn't make it a fucking wish for the film. Like Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um. Like, what if you were surrounded by big titties, but you were tortured every second of your life? Isn't isn't uh, the, the isn't the, the premise for like the slave thing coming out soon? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, slave Sky? No, it's not. No, maybe. All I know is like a dude is like a slave to hot anime girls. No, I didn't hear about that. That sounds interesting. We'll talk about it I afterwards. Mean, okay. If we're being honest, a lot of anime fans would probably. <laughs> oh, absolutely, but um. Step on me, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. But, yeah, again, it's just kind of like weird double standards when it comes to something. like. And I like Bookworm, but it is just kind of like, what are you talking I know, about? I don't know. When you watch, like, when you watch, like, read book, Bookworm, it's just like, 
She's so fucking condescending. I fucking hate mine, I'll, bro. I'll, she's so fucking annoying. I don't even know if I'd call her condescending, but she's got, like, they try to give her that element of, I guess, like, antisocial, I guess you want to call it, like, autism or something, where she's not necessarily aware of how she's coming off in, like, a social cue, where, like, there was a moment, I remember, where she, like, went up to the other the blonde haired kid i don't even remember his name and he's she's like you're gonna do what i say and you're not gonna have any questions and he, it's just like oh that kind of character interaction like really irks me when you have characters doing that kind of shit oh uh, as we mentioned because we're talking about uh stories i like uh, this is not isekai but uh we talked about it earlier uh the misfit of demon king academy oh yeah yeah um that's fucking rocks like, please just watch the first fucking episode. It is fucking where he, baller. Where he kills the guy, he keeps... I couldn't tell if that oh, was supposed to be a joke or not. It's presented in such... It's so fucking good, dude. <laughs> he, ke- he ke- keeps killing the guy and bringing him back. Yeah. And he, I'm just like, what the fuck am I watching? He beats the guy, and the guy's like, no, I'm gonna keep... You know, yeah, because, like, the premise of, of, of Mr. Demon King Academy is that um, the Demon King dies, but is going to be reincarnated. But like yeah. two thousand years, right? And then in the two thousand years, there's like peace in the country of demons, yeah. and they make a, they, but they make an academy for people who are like likely to be the reincarnation of the demon king, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's like, uh, there's, there's also like a sort of like a you know a class based society um, based <laughs> off of like pure blooded like royal royalty or like noble blooded uh, demons. Uh, half bloods, that that sort of thing. There's like you know, like Harry Potter. Yeah, there's sort of that elitism there. Uh, and then, so, but you have uh, you know, the, but everyone's there is like a potentiality to be the demon, uh, to be the reincarnated demon lord. Turns out the demon lord actually just became reincarnated as a random, a random fucking like you know working class family's kid. Yeah. Uh, and then he grows to a full uh, to a seventeen year old's body in like a month. Which yeah, is hilarious. Yeah, the Dunwich Horror, of course. Which is fucking hilarious. Uh, and then he goes to the Demon King Academy, and he's just a Demon King. <laughs> yeah. He's, there's no, there's no um, like, typical tense thing. Ambiguity or wondering. Uh, yeah. The so school is not totally obsolete. All, I, I did see it's like, like a, something from like a later episode, I think, where he just throws a castle at someone. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, but he does. Or he picks up a castle. That first episode is, is, is bonkers, because... You have like the shitty rival character set up, yes. Like outside the school, where he's like bullying yeah, the, 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 the uh, Gary <laughs> from fucking Pokemon, like motherfucker yeah. at the school, being like, and "Smell then, you later." And, and then not even not even a minute later, he walks. The Demon King walks into the school, and it's an immediate like tournament thing where he then has to fight his rival immediately. And it's like, what? Yeah, I feel like well, we skipped it, a few steps. They well, they, well, so when he enters the school, it becomes a test thing. So like it's testing your aptitude to become a demon lord or whatever. Yeah. Um. And then it's like a knowledge based thing, which uh, is actually why reason why he gets like he, the demon lord, the literal demon lord, uh, gets doesn't get perfect marks because there's a uh, there's actually there ends up being a conspiracy to change the history of the demon lord. So when he says the demon lord's true name, which is his name, uh, it tells him that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Because there was a gaslight, yeah, just gaslights in the whole show. The whole society is, is like 
the whole society is gaslit to believe that he's not the demon lord, essentially. Yeah. Like, not to understand who truly... It's like a fabrication of history. So, yeah, there's a test. There's, like, these tests when he enters the, the school. And then uh, then there's, like, a tournament to, like, determine, like, st- battle strength or whatever. And, yeah, of course, it's the fucking rival of the gate of the, gate of the school who, like, got pissed at him. Uh, and he like he's like, I'm not going to lose this time because I have a anti-magic armor or whatever. And he's like, all right, cool. Let's go. Uh, and then he fights him. And then he kills him, <laughs> or he like he almost he gets into like an inch of his life, right? Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, "I will never give up." And he's like, "Okay." And he kills him, then reincarnates him, <laughs> like re- not reincarnates, just resurrects re- him, just just resurrects him effectively immediately, like immediately, like in yeah. twelve seconds, like resurrect, boom, he's back to normal. Uh, he's fucking terrified, and then he's like, "I'm still, not, I'm still not gonna give him." He's like, "All right, let's make a bet then," and then he just keeps killing him. And then keeps resurrecting him. He like kills him, well, resurrects him like fifteen times. A stadium of people watching in horror. Yeah. A, like, yeah, a full stadium of demons who are effectively just the people of the country, right? Um, yeah, they're they're just people, right? So it's like a full stadium of people, and she's just killing and resurrecting the same fucking person. And which like the resurrection magic is like not known because it's yeah. a demon lord's like magic. Yeah, so they're like how the we've fuck gotten is off this onto happening? like a weird tangent. Yeah, I just I love here? that. How do we get to talking I, about this? The movie's I just fucking, sitting there confused. I fucking love that show. Please watch the first episode <laughs> because it's all you need to know. Is this like a comedy? No. <laughs> it's just oh. it is a sigma story. It's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, moisturized, unbothered in his lane. <laughs> in his lane. <laughs> I guess bringing it back to like bookworm and shit. Mm-hmm. Um Oh yeah. That's what we were. Oh my fucking god! Wait, 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 wait. One sec, one sec. On Wikipedia page, it says the manga adaptation by uh, Kaya Kaya Haruka. Um, I think that's supposed to be like two different names, but they, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah. Was serialized online from July 2018 to July 2021. When it ended due to the author's death from patriotic patriotic cancer. <laughs> oh damn! Oh. Oh damn! That did not expect that to see that. That's that's depressing. <laughs> Fucking hell! Oh, oh then. Yeah. yeah, the bookworm. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen four episodes of Bookworm, by the way. Okay. Uh, yeah, I found her fucking. I've seen. I've, I've actually, I've actually seen it twice. The full thing? Uh, I've only seen it once. Yeah. So. Like every season, twice. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've seen both seasons twice. Huh. But no, the, like I guess, like kind of more in line with, um, you know, just the double standard. I guess, like I, I guess I can kind of see it. Like you get people who, you know, are very into, uh, overpowered otome isekai. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, cause like I kind of get it to a degree, cause like, you know, like the gar kind of manly anime shit doesn't necessarily do a whole lot for me a lot of the time. But uh, oh, sure, yeah. you get like you get like uh, Noriko and Gunbuster or fucking Hibiki and Simple Gear doing some guttural yells, uh, fucking ripping off clothes and shit. I'm all for that shit. But <laughs> you do it with a guy, I was like, eh. Interesting. Perhaps it speaks to your feminine side. You mean my good side? <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Does my uh, good side look cute? Uh. You don't like ReZero. Gil, you recently finished 
rewatching the first season and then watching all the second season, right? Yeah, catching up. Yeah, catching up to where the anime is. Yeah, I really like ReZero. Uh, it's been years since I've seen it, but I, I have good memories of it. Mumi doesn't. I didn't like it. <laughs> no, I didn't like it. What about uh, what about the other big isekai from like 2016, Konosuba? I didn't like that one either. Is your name Jerry Freeman? No. <laughs> um... <laughs> that's that's a joke we're only gonna get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe someone will get. It. Um, but uh, I like Konosuba. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, although I haven't seen, uh, like, I haven't seen any, anything they recently did. Like, not have you seen like season two or just not the movie? I've seen I've seen season two, and I've seen like I think two of the OVAs or specials that were released, and then I didn't watch. Yeah, I didn't watch the movie, which people claim is problematic, which I think is funny. Oh. Uh, oh yeah. Then, well, there's that, but that's uh, that's a whole yeah, other that's thing. A can of worms. Yeah. Can of bookworms. Can of bookworms. <laughs> Just imagine like mine and like like being like canned. <laughs> it's like forced into a you can. fucking worm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to be a sandwich. <laughs> no, I I found like generally what my preferences are for isekai. I guess is like when they kind of touch on you know like their previous lives and kind of how the isekai process has, like, forced them to kind of reconcile parts of their old selves with, like, this new world. Mm-hmm. So the last 15 minutes that kind of, of, the, of season two of Bookworm? Right, yeah, like that. <laughs> like, when I watch the, like, when I watch a lot of isekai, like, I'm not really into necessarily, like, the, just the fantasy elements. I'm not really into fantasy in general a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you like when magical girls, kinda, what are you talking about? I'm talking like high fantasy and shit. Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> yeah, those yeah, those wouldn't be high fantasy. Yeah. When they kind of are getting into those elements, and you know, they can be okay. I don't necessarily hate it, but I don't. It doesn't interest me so much as like when it's kind of using it as a commentary, like in, you know, Mashoka Tensei, where he all of those elements are kind of more building up him as a character. And like healing him and like his trauma from his past life, like that kind of stuff really interests me more so than just like, you know, the presentation of going into another world and just having this fish out of water experience where you're just learning about the world itself. Like generally the world itself, I could give less of a fuck about. Okay. I like Isekai when I'm paid to. (laughs) Oh, that too. Crunchyroll.com. Crunchyroll.com. $8.69 get it with a 19 dollar Fortnite card essentially you say that right because uh why do you like re-zero then go consider re-zero one of the i said why don't you like re-zero then oh why don't i, would, I like could say um, re-zero is one of the best he's at least in terms of uh ones that have been adapted a lot of this um, is in season two predominantly yeah. from what i've been told about. have you so have you not watched season two i didn't watch season two i dropped after season one Essentially, season two might color your perspective on Rezero a little differently. I'll, I'll have to check it out, maybe. Uh, because what you're talking about is a huge part of what makes Rezero season two. I think for me in the season one, like Subaru just didn't work as a character for me. Mm-hmm. Like they spend this time kind of presenting him in like a you know almost like a Rudy sort of way, where he's like this kind of asshole, piece of shit kind of character. 
self-entitled kind of thing. It, it, it never really meshed or like brought it to the level of like believability for me. Like you just kind of, he came, came off less as like what they're trying to present for him as, you know, him putting forward this face of, you know, happy go lucky. I'm making jokes, cutting up kind of shit. But really, he's like covering up all the. Like, it felt less like that and more just kind of bipolar in a way for me. <laughs> for me, like when the main character didn't work, like it just the whole show didn't necessarily work for me. Yeah. So I mean, like, um, yeah, that's I, one of those I, deals I, where I get where the show is like coming from and what it's trying to do. Yeah, we'll probably have to watch ReZero season two when we when season three comes out, and we'll have to do it in the club room video on that. Oh God. Look out for that in in in, in four years. <laughs> I hope it's yeah, four fucking years. Yeah, there's way too much of a gap between season one and two. Oh god, oh god, yeah, I, I've um, yeah, I've just totally forgotten everything that happened. That's why, in yeah, that's why one. I rewatched. That's why I rewatched season. Yeah, one, which I liked season one a lot more than I did uh, in the years after watching season one because I liked it quite a bit when I was watching it. But there was these parts where like there was like these episodes which were like weeks because I was watching airing um, where it just felt like nothing really happened in that episode specifically. And then, um, yeah. So like, it, yeah. it just, it just felt like there wasn't really anything going on in that episode. The reset mechanic kind of is like a detriment as well. Cause it's just like, Oh, nothing really happened. Yeah. This episode then. And then here's, yeah. Yeah. Here's the reset from the beginning. Um, I, I really, I did like it a lot more though, in terms of the structure, um, from binging it. Cause you can see how the structure is laid out a little bit clearer. And then when it's over, you know, 24 weeks. In terms of, like, the structure, people, you know, made constant, like, references to, like, Dark Souls when it was airing. Yeah. And, which is amusing, but there's, like, this thing where it's, like, in the first arc, for example, you have, like, the uh, the street thugs, who, at first, are an obstacle. And then by the end of that arc, he's just, like, running past them. <laughs> no, I, I like, think... Uh... Like, you run past enemies in Dark yeah. Souls because you've already fought them. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I've never read any interviews with the uh, author of ReZero, but ReZero is incredibly based off of game mechanics. Um, a little more than most isekai because of the reset. Yeah. Cause the death by return by death, um, is a direct literal represent like literal, uh, uh, depiction of it's, it's, it's know, safe scumming, but still inconvenient. Save, yeah. Safe scumming. Yeah. And you, yeah, but you yeah, don't choose he, when you save. Yeah, he has checkpoints. Um, he has checkpoints, and he does he does uh, the uh, parts of the story as effectively levels or like routes in a visual novel, making sure he says the right things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He do he does the right actions um, to get the good end, right? The good ending, which he obviously goes through mostly bad endings. So yeah, I, I like ReZero is incredibly entrenched in the game logic of the world, um, and I think like there is a part I, I can kind of understand where you're coming from, Mumi, because I think in the first season there's a little bit less of a focus on like okay, why does Subodu actually like why is he like this? There's always a focus of like actually how did he really become like this? Because it's much more uh, focused on the sort of the experience itself, right? Him dying and then him coming back and then him doing this again and this again and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's not like in you know Mashoka Tensei where 
it's kind of the presentation is integral to his past like his past life is integral to the presentation mm. of like what he's doing like he has like offhand comments i remember is where he's like talking about oh i was neat for x amount of years i i worked out in my room and that's why i'm able to do these things like he's got like comments like that but it doesn't really go into like his past life in any kind of like real detail. You don't get as much insight in season one as you do in season one of Mishoka. So season, t- yeah. So because yeah, because season two of ReZero um, focuses a lot more on his past. Yeah. Um, and specifically how he sort of deals with, um, why he became uh, a shut-in. Um, mm. because he's he's a high schooler, right? He's eighteen. Um, yeah. and he shuts himself off primarily due to like hereditary pressures. Okay. Um, because he was successful when he was a child, uh, mainly at, sp- at sprinting. Uh, and then he constantly was pressured uh, by the, the, just by the pressure of becoming better, but as well as the pressure of like, Oh, you're just like, Oh, you're just like his son, right? You're, Oh, you're definitely his son. And his father yeah. is like a sort of like great man. You know what I mean? Like he's sort of a figure that people look up to yeah in terms of his personality in terms of what his how you know sort of moral moral standing etc etc so he's constantly pressured to be like him and he effectively rejects it sort of pulls out he doesn't really know how to to sort of come back because he his parents are incredibly accepting incredibly uh, loving parents but they don't necessarily aren't they aren't necessarily that harsh on him hmm Mm-hmm. And he feels like he needs that harshness in his life. He needs he needs that harshness. He needs the harshness. He needs to tell basically say no. You're doing you're doing it wrong. Sure. And I think in a lot of sense that's kind of where the metaphor of return by death kind of comes into play, uh, because obviously he's an otaku, he's a neat and et cetera, et cetera, and he knows video games and all these things, right? Uh, and there's even the bit in the beginning of the story where wh- why he's able to find. Uh, uh, why he's able to find um, Beatrice, uh, uh, Beatrice, Beatrice, don't you? The the the, Beatrice, yeah. drill, the, the lolly in the uh, lolly. in the yeah. library lolly. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He the reason why he's able to find her door every time is just because he's good at like pattern seeking, like in video games. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's, yeah, there's joking that in the uh, for, uh, first couple episodes. So. There obviously is like there's those reasonings of why like you would have something like a very specific game logic, right? Um, because game logic usually just kind of goes into the idea of like here's a sort of RPG like world, right? Demon lords, dragons, magic, and then you have things like UIs, which is one of the reasons why I think everyone calls every Sakai just Sao clones. Yeah, mm-hmm. something like a uh, shield hero. Yeah. And so you, and so yeah, and then you then you have uh, you know different works like Shield Hero, for example, was a very game logic story, right? But ReZero is almost like here's a literal game function, um, and then in this way it behaves like uh, like a game. And but I think the sort of emotional at least representation of why there's de- like Return by Death is sort of crucial to Subaru as a person as a character is because of the fact that he essentially effectively needs to be. He effectively needs to learn how to get over something or get over the obstacles in his life through trial and error. So essentially, he was only good at running away, and he has to learn to not. Run. Yeah, he has to learn to not run away. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that done before somewhere. I just don't know where. It does. It does make me wonder, like how, like an is- like uh, if you can make an isekai, or like how you make it work, 
as like a video game story. Cause like bookworm with one of the interesting parts about bookworm for me was, you know, it's about somebody who reads a lot of books Mm. and it is a book. Like obviously it doesn't come across in the anime adaptation, but when you would be reading it, it is a book about someone who escapes into books. It is a, a book about her escaping into a new world that is just a book that's you escaping into that world in a way, mm. like almost like a a Haruhi situation where the the presentation of it being a book is kind of important to some of the things that it's doing and playing with. So I wonder how that would work if you tried to make like an isekai video game. I don't know about specifically isekai games, um, like as in like sort of just like original isekai games. But there are games based off Isekai series, and they actually do have a kind of an interesting logic to them uh, that mm. happens. Uh, Joe co-wrote a paper about it. Oh, oh, which is publicly That's available. Was it was it was it like actually like published or was this like what? Yes. Okay, we'll we'll put a link up there in the corner then. So yeah, there is like sort of a distinct logic about like games based off of Isekai stories, but um, the general idea is that they're they're sort of they're not literal games themselves. And that's kind of why you have so many like stories like uh Overlord or um Isekai Mao or uh Malsama Retry and like th- things like that where the game the world itself is incredibly similar to a game that they've either played or designed. Death March is also one of them. Uh like the game the world itself is very similar in terms of the functions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even the narrative of it. Um, but they're not uh, quite the same. So you, there's often a sort of off-kilter sense to the world itself. And you'll often remark, like, especially in those like in those three examples, for example, there will be like a, this world isn't exactly like the game. And I think it's mostly due to like the relation of Simulacra. Because they aren't the game themselves. They're not copies of the game. It's not a stuck inside of a game world like uh, SAO is. They are separate individual worlds that have their own native functionalities, but they have functions that are similar to games that they've played in the real in Japan. They become simulacra, so that's why you have like like Mao like a like Isekai Mao, where the main character was like a like the highest level player in the MMORPG, and then when he gets reincarnated into, uh, or not reincarnated, just summoned into the other world, um. He is just super strong. Even though, like, Log Horizon as well. Yeah, Log Horizon is incredibly interesting one because... Um, it is just the game. Log Horizon's world, yeah, is just the game. But the reason why it's not, like, SEO is because the game becomes a world. Yeah, it's not, yeah. A separate... There's no, there's no native population world. to Aincrad. Yeah. Well, so Aincrad... Um, it becomes a little bit more fuzzier later on with the um, Alicization arts. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's no, yeah, well, there are, like, there are, like, parts of SEO that, like, I think are isekai. I think Joe wants to make a video on Alice yeah. It gets, it gets, yeah, it gets kind of messy because it's yeah. a, a sprawling story that was written over many years. Yeah, that's, a, that's kind of, yeah, that's some can of worms. Um, but with, like, yeah, with, like, Rug Horizon or, uh, I think a really inter- interesting one for me is stories where, because um, you have, like, Log Horizon or Milestone Retry where the game literally becomes a world. Um, and then you then they have like you either have high level players or you have like mouse on retries character um, circumstance. Uh, it's actually the developer of the game, the creator of the game, 
uh, becomes he actually becomes one of his two of his characters, huh. uh, and he has to role play as the characters, which is really really fun. Okay, because you like you have like his main character, which is Kunai, which is like a, a demon lord. Yeah, uh, but he's also like a yakuza kind of character, so he has to like pretend to be like a yakuza like demon lord character, okay. and then his other character is like this like super. Uh, Neketsu, like, hot-blooded, like, Naruto kind of hero, you know? Like, yeah, yosh! You know, we're gonna, we're gonna get the, go get them and stuff like that. So, he has to replace that as well when he becomes that character, too. They talk about it a little bit, Joe and Damien? Yeah, Frenchman. They talk about that a little bit in, I want to say, either, like, the first or second uh, Thousand Isekai video, where it's, like, uh, the sort of performativity uh, that you get in a lot of Isekai, like, like Overlord. Yeah, the first one, yeah, the first one is... Uh... Yeah, about performativity and like communication, because other yeah, the communication becomes really f- uh, flawed because because of the fact that most isekai characters kind of keep the fact that they are isekai characters to themselves. Yeah. So like yeah, so just, you kind of have that, and like with Overlord, Overlord's really interesting because he, you know, he like Mal Samaritra, he has to sort of and also isekai Mal, he has to rem- he has to role play as the isekai as a, as a character, right? Which is um, originally Momonga, but like he. It's uh, Einzal Ghul, right? So he has to sort of role play as this monster, essentially, this Lich King. Yeah. But there's also the there's also affects of the body that transform his like consciousness to fit it better. Um, like he suddenly becomes very desensitized to human death, which sounds really edgy, but he's more like this doesn't bother me. This we this would have bothered me before. Like, why doesn't this bother me anymore? Yeah. Um, As well as, like, he has a, he has a a anti-horny spell. (laughs) Anytime he gets horny, his, like, spell activates and he just gets, like, mellow. (laughs) Hell yeah, Sigma. And it's, like, it's all to, like, sort of keep this, this air of, like, the overlord, right? This powerful lord, right? Because he is just, he's a Japanese salary man. (laughs) Yeah. He's not, he's a normal dude, you know? So he's not this overlord, right? Um, and so there's a there's a lot of dialogue around that. It's pretty interesting uh, within the isekai. You also have the fact of like you know these characters fundamentally fundamentally kind of have to hide the fact that they're from other worlds because of the fact that they could just be subjugated to you could be just subjugated right they're subject to yeah. uh, some sort of discrimination or some sort of uh, unfair treatment in a lot of isekai yeah because it, with it, with shokan right shokan summoning. Uh, there often is a uh, church or some sort of entity that decides to summon the hero, right? Right. Um, uh, yeah, something like Shield Hero. Shield Hero, yeah. So Shield Hero summons four heroes. Um, something like uh, Genjitsu uh, Yusha, which is realist hero. Uh, it's pretty interesting because uh, they summon the kingdom summons a hero because the the kingdom itself has a ritual that can summon heroes. Um, but the kingdom itself doesn't actually want the hero. Uh, they want to sell the hero off for, to uh, to make good on their debt. <laughs> and then the 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 hero, who's your typical Japanese, uh, typical Japanese uh, uh, university student, I think he might yeah. literally be an economic student. Uh, he's <laughs> like, he's like, don't worry, bro, I can handle your debts, <laughs> and he just takes over the kingdom. <laughs> Literally, the king, the king of the world, the king of the kingdom, literally gives him, makes him the king. There's, there's something airing this season about, about a dude trying to, like, sell out his kingdom, 
but he ends up just like accidentally oh. improving it. Yeah, that thing. Ooh, really? This season. The Genius Prince's Guide to Raising a Nation Out of Debt. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't. I haven't. Huh. Uh, I haven't. I don't know nothing about it one. beyond that. Beyond beyond the premise. So Fate Zero is a a. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I've not. I've not seen Fate Zero. I mean, they're coming from parallel universes, I guess, but are they? Eh. Are they? Well, yeah, because you get I like uh, <clears throat> so, like in Fate, sometimes they can change based on their more. Okay, we're gonna stop right here.